extravagant coffee houses, a bit of chocolate perfection, and a coffee drink you must never stir. This week, we're in Turin, Italy. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. Each week, we're in a different place to enjoy the dishes and drinks that make it special. And this week, we are back in Turin, Italy, with foodie tour guide Cecilia Puccia. Cecilia is the founder of I Eat Food Tours and Events, and she takes guests all over the city, including a tour dedicated to chocolate. And we talk about the interesting history of chocolate in Turin, why hazelnuts and chocolate were originally combined. And we also talk about my all-time favorite coffee drink that features chocolate prominently. We also talk about the aperitivo, which originated in Turin. I mean, coffee, chocolate, cocktails, what more do you need from a podcast? How about some wine? We add in a little wine as well. After all, this is the region that produces Barolo. So if that's something you like, share Destination Eat Drink on your social media or give a review wherever you get this podcast. Okay, let's jump into it. Chocolate, coffee, wine. I'm starving. I'm thirsty. Let's eat. Destination Eat Drink. Cecilia, welcome back to Destination Eat Drink. We were talking last week about some of the food in one of my favorite foodie cities, Turin, Italy. And we talked about the agnolati and the bagna cauda and lots of other great dishes. But we didn't get to talk about chocolate. So I wanted to welcome you back and have you on the podcast. And let's talk about one of the great chocolate cities in the world, Turin, Italy. Tell me about chocolate. Absolutely, Grant. It's a, a great pleasure to, to be here again and to talk about chocolate right now. My favorite, everyone's favorite, actually. <laughs> it's a great Especially, subject. It's a great subject, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, since the early 17th century, Turin is famous for chocolate, uh, which we have to name in one breath with Turin's historic coffee houses, which are amazingly gorgeous here. So in the capital of uh, the Piedmont region, you can enjoy chocolate treats uh, and tasteful coffee in really charming historical settings. And Turin's oldest cafes uh, all have great stories of uh, politicians, uh, poets, writers, uh, artists, uh, revolutionists, uh, who all debating over a coffee. So this is something beautiful. When I enter into these beautiful places, I always feel that I am reliving a little bit the glorious time, the glorious time and uh, from the past. So also because the rich art nouveau and baroque interiors of touring coffee houses will really take you back in time. So it's a, an experience that you, you won't forget, absolutely won't forget. And during our chocolate tour, we talk, uh, we walk, sorry, around the city to see all these beautiful uh, cafes that are begging you to stop for uh, a bicherine and other delights. And in fact, we stop and we treat ourselves with the most 
delightful uh, sweet and chocolate uh, taste uh, in town. Um, well, what's a bicherine? Yes, my favorite drink, the bicherine. Ah. I love yeah. this. I, I didn't even know it existed until I made it to Turin a few years ago. Describe for the audience what exactly is a bicherin. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, Italian cafe culture is famous, but when you come to tour around Turin, you must give yourself a sweet treat and taste this chocolate drink we call bicherin uh, that is made from espresso, chocolate, and warm milk served lying in a small round glass. Actually, bicherin means small round glass in the Piedmontese dialect. And famous fans such as uh, Alexander Dumas agreed it was worth their taste. So it's really, it's something that uh, you never forget. Once you taste once, uh, you want to come back for more, for sure. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think you are also a very great fan of uh, this uh, beautiful uh, chocolate drink, right? Yeah, what I love about it is everything isn't mixed together. You've got your layers. And when it's in this glass, this clear glass, you can see the distinct layers of chocolate, of coffee, and of warm milk layered carefully on top of each other. It looks gorgeous. It looks gorgeous, yes. Also, visually, it's beautiful to see it. And you can recognize a, a good made, a well-made bicherine um, from the layers. So if they are perfect, if the bicherine is perfectly layered, it means that it's well-made. If the layers are a little bit, you know, too much artistic, well, it is not properly how the bicherine uh, is supposed to be served. So it has to be perfectly layered. And of course, uh, the chocolate has to be one of its kind, uh, Gianduia chocolate. And the espresso has to be uh, sweetie. You know, uh, coffee... Um, is again a magic, uh, another magical topic uh, because with the, a bicherine, the best coffee has to taste chocolate, so has to have some uh, chocolate notes, and the milk has to be the foam has to be very creamy. That is the most perfect, the most perfect bicherine, and that's why many of us uh, are all in love with it. Uh, it's a beautiful, uh, it's beautiful to enjoy it as breakfast, but uh, if you want to have a nice, uh, delicious, uh, beautiful power up in the morning, but it's also fantastic and beautiful if you have it for what we call it merenda, which is the sweet afternoon snack Mm -hmm. typical from uh, Piedmont. So uh, you join it uh, around four o'clock, something like that, and you order a bicherine along with some nice uh, cookies, especially yes. uh, some cookies with, you know, hazelnuts because we are uh, famous in Piedmont for uh, such delicious and sweet hazelnuts. And we are famous for many different types of uh, sweet treats, like uh, uh, Baci di Dama, the ladies' kiss, mm. which are beautiful uh, uh, cookies, uh, biscuits made of uh, hazelnuts and butter. 
and in between uh, you have a beautiful uh, chocolate janduja chocolate it's a sort of you know it, it's like the the two it's like a kind of a sweet sandwich mini sandwich and in between you have this uh, delicious chocolate and the the, the, the biscuit uh, it melts in your mouth because the the hazelnuts and the butter together create uh, this fantastic texture uh, and along with bicherine and all these other chocolate treats you really won't stop to eat. I remember the kiss of the lady my friend Steffi and Luigi had a restaurant in the U.S. and 30 years ago they were telling us about they, they would serve the kiss of the lady on the menu and I had no idea what it was but I just knew that I loved it. And then I got to Turin and I said, oh, I'm home. This feels so, this feels, uh, this takes me back to when their restaurant was open back in, in Rhode Island. Um, I oh. did want to ask you one thing about the beach you're in. Yes. So you've got these three layers. And yes. is there a specific way that you should be drinking it? Because I think... American culture, your first reaction would be to put a spoon in there and mix it all together. I don't think you want to do that. I like no. I like getting a little sip, and then each sip has a little different taste because you get a different ratio of Bravissimo. chocolate, coffee, and milk until you get to the Bravissimo. very bottom, and here you've got just a little bit of chocolate you get out with the spoon. So talk a little bit about that if you could. Absolutely right. That is the proper way to enjoy the bicherine to the fullest because if you stir it the three ingredients are mixed up together and it's like they lose their power mm-hmm. <laughs> if you just sip indeed you can indeed taste the three layers separately and the goodness come at the end the goodness <laughs> is the true the true goodness come at the end and it's the chocolate that pure chocolate and you want yeah. Yes, the pure chocolate. And you want to taste like that because that gives you the experience of the real experience of bicherie. So when they serve you a bicherie, uh, they usually tell you, we suggest, we recommend to don't steer. Of course, you can do whatever, whatever <laughs> it pleases you. But uh, it's, if you want to have the full, like, the most beautiful experience, uh, then you don't steer and you know why. Because when you taste, you say, okay, I understand why. Actually, beside the bicherine, we have much more uh, when it comes to chocolate. Uh, the Piedmontese culinary culture uh, really consists of lots of chocolate delights, you know, Brent. So if you have a sweet tooth uh, here in Piedmont, uh, we got you covered because we have it all. And... Uh, Particularly in combination with the, the hazelnuts, yes. there is something which is called gianduia, gianduia and gianduiotto. Yes, tell Great. tell about those because I, I love going shopping for these in candy shops in Turin and bringing them home to the U.S. to uh, share with friends and, you know, and to keep a stash for myself in the pantry too. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely so, yeah. Well, our typical chocolate treats from Torino are called Gianduiotti, and they were created in Turin by Paul Caffarel and Michele Prochet by successfully grinding hazelnuts to a paste and making them into individually wrapped chocolates, 
which were distributed at the, in the first time uh, during the Turing Carnival back in 1865. So we have a huge uh, market, open air marketplace here in Turin. It's called uh, Porta Palazzo, and it's uh, the largest uh, open air marketplace uh, in Europe. It's really a huge, something like uh, 1,000 vendors uh, every day from Monday to uh, Saturday. Uh, it's the open-air kitchen of Turin. This is how locals call it. Well, the first time that uh, the Gianduiotti appeared, uh, let's say it was a sort of uh, launching, uh, product launching, was <laughs> during the Turin Carnival, um, where these lovely ladies, uh, the most beautiful uh, ladies, uh, which were vendors at the market, uh, were just uh, um, the ones who gave away these new treats for the very first time. So it was really a sort of, uh, in modern terms, uh, uh, a sort of uh, product launch. And the very first time, uh, this uh, chocolate uh, was called Jivu. Jivu in the dialect, uh, uh, local dialect, means uh, a small bite, uh, bite, just a small bite. But, uh, you know, uh, again, in a marketing way, his name didn't work out so well. It was a little bit uh, too strong hmm. uh, for uh, such a beautiful, uh, tasty and uh, intense uh, cocoa and hazelnut mixture. So then the name was changed in Gianduiotto from Gianduia. Gianduia actually is um, the, a character from the Commedia dell'arte. So they just took the name from this character, from the Commedia dell'arte, and the shape of these small chocolate delights should resemble the character's hat. Triangular shaped. Exactly. Yes, it's a sort of, uh, let's say, uh, upside down boat. Uh, that is uh, what the Gianduiot should uh, should uh, represent, and it resembled the hat of this uh, character. So the name changed in Gianduiotto, uh, you know, from the union between the finest chocolate and the best Piedmont hazelnut came uh, a velvety and uh, absolutely unique pleasure. So opening this the wrapper, golden wrapper, because they usually came, especially in the past, uh, in a, a golden paper, the first thing that captures you is the intense scent of cocoa and hazelnut, and then the smooth, soft, uh, silky taste uh, is really uh, a prelude to the pleasure on your palate, where the chocolate melts deliciously. I go really crazy. I'm crazy for uh, Gianduiotti. And, oh, really, I can, I can have tell. them uh, really, oh, my gosh, every day. And it's an experience that really involves all your senses. So it even stays for a while when you taste the most beautiful Gianduiotti properly made. So not, you know, the ones uh, with, I mean, the real Gianduiotto uh, needs to have a lot of hazelnut, something like 40-45% of hazelnut, cocoa and cocoa butter, and just a little bit of sugar, but not too much, 
because that sugar is not the main ingredient because if you really use a proper quantity of hazelnuts, hazelnuts are naturally sweet, so you don't need to sweet uh, with sugar your product if you use if you use uh, use a large quantity of uh, hazelnuts. So you can recognize a good gianduiotto from a medium good gianduiotto by the scent and also you really scent the cocoa and the hazelnuts when you unwrap it and also the taste stays for a while it's like chocolate is alive alive creature so it stays and in your mouth it gives you a different type of uh, taste in the palate it, it works like a magic so if you really taste the right gianduiotto that experience stay for a few minutes also after you eat it so uh, we of course bring our uh, our customers to the most beautiful place not just beautiful because they are beautiful outside but also because they serve amazing products made really with the, the best uh, ingredients and uh, made by made made out of love made with love so small producers small uh, local artisans uh, uh, that uh, are uh, keep on going with the traditions from father to son uh, and generations of uh, chocolatier people very passionate about uh, uh, the concept from beans to bars so pr- products and materials carefully selected uh, for the best uh, chocolate experience because really with chocolate you have an experience uh, that involves all your senses so you can talk uh, about chocolate uh, uh, in every artistic way it was a sort of a muse for writers uh, and poets you know uh, not so long ago, I read uh, an article uh, that was highlighting the, the power of, uh, of chocolate, also saying that uh, the chocolate back in 1800s was uh, in, in Turin and then in Italy was for uh, poets and artists, you know, because it had some uh, sort of meditative uh, properties. Coffee was more for journalist so coffee was huh. more you know <laughs> we have to go and go and run and yeah run yeah and run. get you wired <laughs> but chocolate yes. is more sensual you know you can sit there exactly. and enjoy and let it melt on your tongue i i had heard a story that um i i want to ask you about real quick Cecilia, about the chocolate and the hazelnut we talked last week about certain dishes being born of necessity being born of poverty And the story I heard was that during a time when chocolate, when cacao was difficult to obtain in Turin, that this is the reason why they added hazelnuts, which are plentiful in Piedmont. There's lots of them. But if, if this is indeed true, and I think it might be, then this is just another... Uh, brick in the wall of how genius the Italians are because chocolate by itself is wonderful. Hazelnuts by themselves are wonderful. You put them together and you have some kind of spectacular combination that can't be reproduced anywhere else. Absolutely so. Yes, indeed. Uh, the one who invented, uh, who did this tryout, uh, 
back in 1865 uh, was Michele Prochet together with uh, Caffarel. So they tried, uh, it was a shortage of uh, cocoa beans. So it was not easy to have uh, cocoa beans back in that time. And But we had a lot in Piedmont, we had a lot of hazelnuts that in the time were not expensive at all. Well, now they are, I mean, not so, they are kind of exp expensive now, but back in the time, no, they weren't. So they just, and people wanted to have this chocolate, the aristocracy, everybody were, not, were in the time used to have this amazing treat. So these two ingenious uh, chocolatiers tried to ground the hazelnuts, which are naturally uh, sweet. And when you ground them, uh, they are actually, they create a paste uh, like the paste that you create when you ground the cocoa beans. So with uh, definitely a little quantity of uh, cocoa beans, uh, and a huge amount of hazelnuts, they created what we call it Gianduia and Gianduiotto. And it was indeed, the launch in 1865 was a, a sort of a tryout. And of course, the feedback uh, from uh, the audience was uh, a huge success because everybody fell in love with it. And this is what makes our chocolate very special because Uh, if we should just say in a very few words, what makes your chocolate very special? Well, the hazelnuts, the combination of hazelnuts and uh, and cocoa. But these hazelnuts, which are so very special, and uh, they got such a special organolactic properties, make uh, this uh, treat something that you really don't forget. I have. We have clients that sometimes when we are still in contact with many of our uh, uh, clients and with lots of them we are really now friends with, they say, oh, my gosh, I still remember the Gianduiotto, <laughs> and one of the most delicious treats that has nothing to do with Nutella, which is still a huge, um, a huge product. Also uh, from Piedmont. Also from Piedmont, from Alba, Ferrero invented, uh, back in the, around the 50s, invented this amazing uh, chocolate spread that became huge. Uh, you know, the product uh, uh, in the very beginning uh, was uh, super, super, super uh, uh, genuine and authentic. But they should never expect uh, to have such... Uh, a great uh, and then global success. So, of course, the production of Ferrero mm. is such a, a massive production that it can't be possible to use our local hazelnuts from, uh, from um, Alba because there are not enough hazelnuts, of course. So, uh, of course, uh, in that case, uh, now Nutella is basically made with uh, uh, hazelnuts from uh, Turkey. Uh, which uh, have other type of uh, which have another type of taste than our own ones, of course. And it is a more it is still good. I mean, if you taste Nutella, it still tastes good. Uh, for what I know from our clients, which come from all over the world, 
uh, in some countries is more sweet than in other countries. Mm. So when uh, people taste our Nutella here in Italy or in Piedmont, but I can say in Italy, and they come, for example, from uh, Japan or China or United States, they taste a different Nutella. They say so to us. Uh, so it's like uh, they kind of customize uh, mm. the product accordingly to the, the palate of each place in the world. So uh, maybe giving more sugar or less sugar, but usually more sugar in, uh, is what uh, our clients told us, that here they taste a better Nutella, less sugary than what they taste in their own country. So um, Nutella is a, a different type of product, uh, but it's a product that stays in the heart of People also for us, for us as Italians, is a cult. Is a, a cult product. I grew up with pan and Nutella, with bread and Nutella spread and milk. So we, the generation, uh, the, the, the youngest uh, and the oldest, uh, from fifties uh, until now, uh, have grown up with uh, Nutella because uh, the marketing campaign has always been uh, so ingenious uh, and the way. They, the way Ferrero can communicate the product uh, is ingenious, uh, involves uh, uh, the f family and uh, authenticity. So there is a beautiful uh, marketing uh, uh, and way of communicating the products. And the product itself is absolutely not bad. It's just that now we are in a time where we look at uh, so many things. So if... Uh, Indeed, the chocolate comes from bean to bars. Uh, where did you get the, 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 the cocoa beans uh, uh, from small farms or, uh, or where? And uh, we, are more, we are more paying attention to some details which are not details, but uh, are becoming more and more important. And so there are so many uh, artisan and small uh, producers who, who make Nutella following the slow food uh, principles, let's say. I wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk to you, Cecilia, about Aperitivo, because Aperitivo originated in Turin. You can go in Italy now, any part of Italy, and folks serve Aperitivo. But Turin's the birthplace, and Turin is the best place, I, in my opinion, to get Aperitivo. Talk a little bit about where Aperitivo came from and how we can experience it when we visit Turin. Well, uh, Aperitivo rhymes with the best moment of the day for locals. So, you know, we okay. <laughs> usually enjoy a good aperitivo uh, after 6 p.m. Uh, so when people, uh, before coming back home from a long working day, you get your moment. It doesn't matter if you are alone or with someone else. Uh, you like to keep that time 30 40 minutes one hour for yourself and just release the stress of the day uh, with a nice uh, drink and some appetizers but the term itself aperitivo uh, derived from the latin aperitivus uh, passed through the french uh, aperitif and indicates the function of a liquid uh, which as accurated medical studies have shown opens the stomach thanks to bitter tasting uh, substances and it prepares for good digestion. So it's something that you 
always have before a proper dinner. It's just the moment before the dinner. So actually, it's always food o'clock in Italy. You start with <laughs> breakfast at home, then you go with the second breakfast before starting your working day because it's nice to say ciao to your favorite barista and do a little bit of chit-chat. Yes. Uh, then for sure you're going to have some other coffee along the day with your colleagues because having a coffee is a, a way of socializing. So coffee is more than just coffee for us. Then you have lunch and then you have uh, the sweet afternoon snack and then you have the aperitif and then you have the dinner. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a, busy, it's a busy long day for Italians. <laughs> <laughs> plan your whole day around this around all of these big events that happen during the day exactly. and one of the last ones is the aperitivo and you know the the thing that i notice is you know you go anywhere in italy and you get an aperitivo and maybe you'll get like a little cup of potato chips or a little dish of olives but in Turin, you can have very fancy aperitivo um, to go with your drink. In, in other words, some nice food spread set out for them. What kinds of things might we eat with our, with our drink? Yeah, well, um, let's say that in Italy, the modern aperitivo was established at the end of the 18th century with the spread of vermouth. So um, vermouth was born in 1786 in Turin when the herbalist Antonio Benedetto Carpano, in his nice workshop in the very center of the city, combined wine with an infusion of herbs and roots. Well, that was a huge success because he just sent his laboratory, his workshop was uh, right in front to the Turin Palace. So he just sent some bottles to taste to the king uh, well, it was a huge success due to the favor of King Vittorio Amedeo III. You know, if you had the blessing of a king, your products for sure <laughs> could uh, become a huge success because kings and queens were the best influencers brand in the time. Yes. So if kings say this is a good product, well, <laughs> then for sure you can score like crazy. So, um, it, the, the vermouth is the most representative uh, um, drink uh, in Turin, and it's a very special uh, uh, and complex uh, uh, drink uh, because of this uh, very special uh, combination of uh, herbs and roots, uh, very kind of magical recipes. Uh, you know, there are some very, very a sort of esoterical rules uh, uh, behind the, the recipe of, uh, of a vermouth. So this fortified wine can really give you an amazing, amazing experience if you are uh, a person who likes to taste many ingredients. And with a good vermouth, you can really taste all the, the, the spiciness, the sweetness. Uh, um, it's it's a very complex uh, and uh, you have to be open for uh, a vermouth experience. But it's something that very, it's very representative uh, of Turin and it's something that we love to share especially when uh, we run our uh, Turin uh, wine and dine experience. Uh, we start with uh, 
special selection of the best uh, vermouth from Turin for different two uh, red vermouth and two white vermouth from different uh, houses. And along with the vermouth, we in Turin, especially in Turin, we love to not just serving uh, uh, patatine chips uh, and olives uh, but so many different type of mini dishes so if you have a beautiful if you are really joining a very beautiful uh, high quality aperitif then you have uh, some uh, canapé and uh, some delicious mini cold and warm dishes so it becomes almost actually it's almost itself like a dinner. Uh, you almost don't need to have a dinner <laughs> later, uh, even if we do that, if we have it. But I've, I've done this in Turin. I've had an aperitivo, had the, had the food with the aperitivo, and I was like, I don't, I don't think I can have dinner after this. This is going to be <laughs> it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah no, I, I absolutely, I agree. I mean, it's kind of huge, and uh, there are some places where they make everything uh, by themselves. So you have this uh, uh, salted uh, croissant filled uh, with uh, cream cheeses uh, or salm. Uh, um, you have also uh, the beautiful handmade small pizzette, little pizzas, mm. um, what we call salatini. So some uh, nice uh, uh, savory pastry filled with uh, vegetables or like peppers, uh, like spinach uh, or bustel. So you have really um, a beautiful selection of many, actually mini dishes. You can even have a small tartare uh, flavored with, uh, with lemon, uh, oil, lemon and uh, balsamic vinegar. Tartare, it's uh, very typical from uh, Piedmont. We like to have uh, the most beautiful uh, fassona meat, which is a special cow which uh, grow in, uh, in our areas, uh, like uh, the, the countryside of Piedmont, and has a, a very special taste. So we like to, to, to have this type of meat raw, and when it's a very, very high quality meat and you know where you are having it, you can absolutely trust it because it's super fresh and gives you really an amazing experience of flavoring with the, some oil, lemon and balsamic vinegar. Um, then you can even have uh, sometimes uh, small bites of uh, agnolotti, pasta, fresh pasta, stuffed pasta. So really some many different type of uh, uh, creative uh, gourmet, uh, elegant and precious um, mini dishes. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an experience to try because most of the people are just used to some uh, chips and uh, olives. Uh, and here, a good, very, very good aperitif is uh, absolutely something else. Uh, um, of course, you can have with the vermouth, but you can also have with uh, a beautiful cocktail. Actually, vermouth is the main ingredient uh, for the mo in the most popular cocktails uh, like Negroni or yeah. uh, Negroni Sbagliato, what is called Wrong Negroni, or Milano Torino. There are three iconic uh, cocktails uh, which are very famous uh, in Turin, but actually in Italy and not just in Italy. 
uh, Negroni is one of uh, the most uh, probably <laughs> the most famous uh, and they are basically the, the main ingredient is the vermouth but you can also have uh, wine of course yeah uh, let's talk about wine because i'm a big when my pocketbook can afford it i'm a big barolo fan um oh. <laughs> the king the king of the wine the king of the wines the best of the best and it the and there's a, the and a price tag to uh support that but uh talk talk <laughs> a little bit about the wines of, of the piedmont area because i love them so much well for all the wine lovers uh, Remember that uh, Piedmont is one of the happiest regions of Italy in terms of the production of uh, great wines. Uh, we have uh, reds of excellent uh, personality, such as Barbaresco. Did you ever taste? Have you ever tasted yes. Barbaresco? Love reds? Barbaresco too. What do you think about it? Mm, I, it's I, another great one. Really good. Yeah. Really good one. Uh, Barbera, if the Barolo is the king of the wines, Barbera is the queen because, you know, we are so poetic. When it comes to food, we can be so so glamorously poetic. Uh, Barbera actually is a, a wine that matched with everything. It's good to have it uh, um, for uh, an aperitif, but it's also good uh, if you want to have for lunch. It is a good for every type of person also for people who are uh, uh, not too much involved with wines and they just want to have a nice wine experience without having uh, too much complex uh, flavors uh, can be of course uh, um, of course a beautiful wine to taste um, and it, it goes well with a little bit of everything the barolo of course has a, a more even more personality somehow and the dolcetto is the dolcetto and nebbiolos are other uh, uh, great reds to to try and of course we don't forget the whites whites with the most uh, bright characteristics such as uh, cortese we have the beautiful erba luce uh, not to mention the sweet moscato i'm sure you love moscato brand yes yes it's delicious i am not a wine uh, uh, I mean, I can't uh, have uh, alcohol, but uh, sweet Moscato or uh, a little bit of Barbera, I can have it. And I, when there are some special occasion, I like to join it. And uh, we have the very special vermouth as shown before, uh, especially if you want to have uh, really a particular uh, experience of uh, tasting. Uh, we have also the martini museum that gives you an experience uh, which is also one of its kind and explain a little bit uh, the history of vermouth since the very beginning and of course the sparkling uh, the sparkling wine so actually we have a wine for every occasion for every person personality and palate uh, you just name it uh, and uh, <laughs> We, we serve it the best wine. So you just say the characteristic and that you like the most. And for sure, there's the most perfect wine that comes from the most perfect year. And together with the best food gives you uh, an harmonious, uh, an harmonic experience, total experience. Uh, 
So we are really looking forward to having the whole world joining us, joining, coming to Italy, to Turin and in Piedmont, because this is still a sort of hidden gem of Italy. And we believe that it absolutely deserves more attention and we are very happy that slowly by slowly uh, people are starting to getting curious about this land and once they come here they say wow how is it possible that i didn't i haven't heard about it <laughs> i'm one of those people cecilia when i came to turin i fell in love with the city fell in love with the food and fell in love with the people and so I, I raise I raise Good. one of those glasses to you, whether it has a Barbera or Bar ah, Barolo, Barbaresco, uh, or an aperitivo, <laughs> and and say uh, salute, chin chin, and thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Thank you so much, Brent, for uh, having me. It has been a, a great pleasure to talk to you about some of our favorite uh, topics, <laughs> food and drinks, right? Yes, <laughs> and I can't wait to have you here in Turin and uh, to give you an unforgettable experience of sharing and of uh, flavors. Okay, there you go. Cecilia is so much fun to talk to, and I've got a link to her company, I Eat Food Tours and Events, in the show notes at radiomisfits.com slash 139. You know, I'm so glad I had Cecilia on the podcast to talk about the Beecherine because I have fond memories about my very first Beecherine. It was Christmas Eve in Turin, and we were waiting outside Cafe Al Beecherine. Now, Cafe Al Beecherine doesn't take reservations, and there's no room to wait inside. It's a tiny little place, just a few tables. So we were freezing cold outside, but it was Christmas Eve, and the church across the piazza was ringing her bells, and there were lots of people walking around. So it was very festive and atmospheric. And when we finally got in, the tables were so close together, I was almost bumping elbows with the people at the table next door. But that just added to the charm. And the beecherine itself was superb. Truly one of my favorite memories in Europe. Well, that'll do it for this week. Next week, we're talking about frozen treats. After all, we're into the dog days of summer, so who couldn't use a nice gelato? Until then, I've got a new blog entry. It's about the unique street crossing signals in Wellington, New Zealand. You can get that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and the man who never stirs his beecherine, Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. 